It's episode 113 of the Improv London podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Moses, and this week's guest is Susan Harrison. How are you? I'm really good, thanks. Yeah, excited to be here. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for you to be here. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's very much a virtuous circle of um, something. Um, yeah. Uh, 113 episodes. I, I, I would have thought I'd have been smoother by now. Um, I would say that you're perhaps best known for character, improvising mm. as a character. Mm. How do you do that? How can we? <laughs> how can we be good at doing characters like you? Oh well, thank you. Um, yeah, it's a really, it's a really interesting question for me because I think it kind of, I think of character as like informing everything that I do. So not just improv, but anything scripted or comedy in any sense, really. Um, and yeah, it's been interesting because I've had to sort of break it down. Because I've te- because I'm teaching improv character and think, well, what is it that makes it effective for people? And I mean, there's so many different routes in to finding a character, and I, I think ultimately it's finding what works for you. But I'm very big on like physicality and movement, um, so that's where I start. Hmm. But but yeah, I think also it's about observation, and some people naturally are observers you know, of other people. I think a lot of people that are into comedy and performance are observers. Uh, and that's, I think for me, that's where it comes from. Yeah. Wanting to get in someone else's skin and, you know, so, not in a creepy way. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you know, when you're out and about, you're watching people on the bus? And... Yeah, like not consciously, but I think I've always done that. Just always been interested in other people's like mannerisms and specific vocal, uh, I was going to say choices, but they're not choices, you, you know, they're just vocal quirks I guess yeah um and yeah so I think that has always come quite naturally to me um yeah but but um yeah with um beings which is the two prov group I do Andrew Gentili is quite similar to me in that way he's also a really good illustrator like he he draws uh, caricatures of people all right yeah and I think it comes from the same place of observation and noticing little quirks about people how much space they take up the way they move their body the rhythm they have as a person and so all of that just kind of feeds in yeah yeah so uh, we'll come back to back to beings because i'd like to talk about that in a second but just talking about character a little bit more so if if you wanted so it sounds like you do it quite unconsciously yeah if you're somebody that doesn't do it unconsciously is it possible to get good at character yeah how you do that I think it is I think part of it is getting used to what feels like taking a risk physically so it might sound a bit um sort of plastic like sticking on a technique but eventually hopefully it'll become less conscious so I think like even just trying to to consciously change your physicality if you're someone that doesn't usually do that on stage yeah can eventually lead you to making bigger character choices yeah. if that makes sense yeah um and i think it's also about learning what you yourself do as you so that you know when you're doing something different that's interesting yeah because not everyone knows do you know what i mean like yeah, yeah, yeah. not everyone knows if they have a really fast pace or if they like float around or if they're super grounded you know physically mm. um so i think part of it is knowing that observing yourself so that you can then 
consciously make these changes. But yeah, it probably feels a bit um, sort of stuck on at first. Yeah. But I think the more you do it, the better you get at, at what, doing what feels like taking a risk, but actually isn't. Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. And I hadn't thought about being aware of what you do. Um, I'm very aware of what I say. Mm. But then I'm very sensitive to what other people say as well. And I've been in offices where I've had people who are very reliant on certain phrases. <laughs> and it just sends me mad. <laughs> but the thing is, you can't say anything because it's perfectly acceptable language to use. It's just they always, they keep saying the same things and it just starts to wind me up. Yeah, yeah, like a, a sort of syntax or, yeah, like choice of words, turn of phrase, yeah. Yeah, and that well, that's another place to start for finding a character, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. And then obviously just trying to put yourself in the shoes of that person who has that viewpoint. Yeah. You know, because I know other other kind of improv schools of thought talk very much about point of view being the character, hmm. um, which is true as well. But I think it all is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, is there a way of sort of? choosing I've, I've done sort of exercises where you choose part of your body and yeah then... I really like that just as a way and I don't think you necessarily will go into a scene doing that although you could do actually and it would probably be really good <laughs> because it would be a bold choice and your scene partner would have something massive to react to um so you could but I also think it's that exercise is great just for loosening people up physically yeah. and just allowing them like if they do something that is that extreme then hopefully they'll feel less worried about doing something which is slightly different from them yes um if that makes sense yes yes no that definitely makes sense so i think that's that's a really helpful exercise um as is taking someone from your real life and trying to really because you, if you've observed them unconsciously or subconsciously then um you can really get under their skin and yeah, and, and those create quite um, authentic characters. Yes, yes, and it's uh, it's very interesting. Yeah, taking somebody that you know and trying to emulate them, and yeah, that's yeah. gonna be a real good basis for a character. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And sometimes it's just about taking a little leap. Um, you know, again, it might sound a bit artificial, but just having a different accent or um, a different kind of rhythm to you can automatically get you out of your own frame of mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, have you observed things about what you do then? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think. Well, when I, because um, I originally went to drama school, so actually we had to learn this about ourselves in the first week. I think. Wow. If not the well, maybe the first term. I don't know. But yeah, I I learned that I sort of floated. Huh? Yeah. Um, yeah, and actually. We did a, I did a workshop with Colleen Doyle, um, yes, you know, from, dummy. yeah, yeah. Um, and she did some character stuff, and again, she was like, oh yeah, look at how Susan floats, <laughs> uh, and I was like, oh yeah, I still do that, it's really interesting to remember, um, so I know that I have to, if I don't want to be like me, yeah. uh, then it's good to ground myself. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, so that was what I learned. Um, do you know what? I use my hands a lot. <laughs> I, just, I just did that, uh, <laughs> listeners. Yeah. <laughs> yes, mastering the audio. I did it as well then. I mean, I didn't need to have done it because it's an audio format they would yeah. never know. But yes, I certainly did do that. <laughs> uh, 
And uh, so, yes, you mentioned uh, Beings yeah. with Andrew Gentilly. Um, yeah. Tell me about that. How did that come into being? Uh, <laughs> oh. um, how did it? Um, that's a re- Oh, I think it was, yeah, we used to be in a group called Story Bag, ah. which was um, slightly bigger and um, equally fun. Um, but uh, there was one gig that not all of the members were <laughs> around for. It seems to be quite a common story, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so it was just me and Andrew Gentilly and um, Dylan Buckle on music. Um, and we just loved it. We really, really enjoyed, I think because we are quite like-minded in our approach to characterisation, um, and we just have so much fun together. Yeah. It's like, I think, yeah, someone described it as like watching puppies, <laughs> uh, which I think, I think there's some truth in that. It's just pure playtime because Andrew's very happy to be really silly, as am I. Yeah. Uh, and we both enjoy like sort of prodding each other and um, gently goading each other and like jumping into each other's characterizations. And... Oh, I love that. I love that. It's one of my favourite things oh. in improv is when, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm going to mention DJ and Dave. I think they're quite good, controversial opinion. Um, <laughs> But amongst the many things that I really loved was just seeing them do that so seamlessly. And you just forgot that it was a different person playing that character. You just saw the Mm. character and that's just a beautiful thing. Yeah, they are so seamless, aren't they? Yeah, I really thought that when I watched them. They're so smooth. Yeah. There's no, like, clunky transitions. Yeah. It's really nice, yeah. So, uh, with Beings, uh, what what form do you play? Do you have a format that you follow? Um, we're quite loose. <laughs> That's it, yeah, because me and Andrew are both quite relaxed and not very caught up on caught up in sort of structures and formats. I'm certainly not. Um, but I guess roughly, roughly we well we take three words because um, I quite like having more than one ask for from the audience. Mm-hmm. Like I. I also like watching stuff where they don't take anything or, you know, I enjoy that as well. But um, but I quite like having the, that input from the audience. So we take three words and then we do sort of three separate scenes right. and return to them and they may or may not combine. All right, OK. <laughs> yeah, so it's quite fluid. Um, yeah, but we may, you know, d- we may sort of explore other stuff narratively. Um, uh, perhaps we're, we're um, sort of getting some coaching later on this week uh, sorry this month so who knows yeah. but at the moment currently that's what we do yeah um, but it's really fun basically yeah. fun and silly and weird and and we have lots of opportunities for like breathing space and silent like potential for silent scenes yeah if if need be and lots of movement and stuff so and is, it's nice is that easier because there's only two of you i think so yeah less less brains um, <laughs> one brain between us. <laughs> yeah. But it is um, the same brain. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that is easier, definitely. There's less, and I guess there's less pressure of when you're in a big group, as you know, like sometimes there can be a pressure of, oh, have I done enough? Mm. You know, and that sort of scramble um, energy can happen. Yeah. So I think with two of us, it's nice to have that space. And and Dylan as well, The, the his his musical offers are so great and very spacious yes so so is he underscoring or are you singing yeah no he's underscoring although singing can happen you know if if it happens it happens um but he's underscoring with this amazing i don't even know what i i thought it was called a chaos machine but i don't 
Wow. Think yeah. it is, yeah. I wish it was called that if it's not called that. That sounds <laughs> yeah. amazing. It's like a sort of electronic y programmy thing. Right. That's the technical word for yeah. it. Electronic y programmy yeah. thing. Or you tech heads out there going, oh, <laughs> yes. Mm, yes. Yeah. And, yeah. And so what does it do? So he um he just sort of can program different like melodies and rhythms, but they're not uh, yeah, it is definitely underscoring, and it gives a lot of atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, as opposed to like a guitar or a piano that might be a bit more ah. sort of um, emphasis on the melody. His is more atmospheric. Yes. Um, and he also has a hundred tracks of music, existing music. Oh right. Um, which we get an audience member to choose a number, and that can sort of um, start the show yeah. as well. So that's quite nice. Yes. Um, yeah. No, I love uh, I love underscoring in improv. I think it really it gives it another sort of element of richness mm. and a sort of theatricality, and I think it inspires the improvisers to go to places that they perhaps wouldn't go to if yeah. the underscoring wasn't there. Yeah, definitely. And I think that theatricality is really really important to me and Andrew as well. And I, I really enjoy seeing improv shows where. It is a theatrical experience. Yes. Um, I remember, like Adam Megiddo says, you know, put on a show, basically, yeah. and I think that is so important. Um, yeah. So that's definitely part of it. Yeah. And the music, the underscoring is another offer. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, I'm very much. Uh, yeah, I'm very much of the Adam Megiddo uh, school. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah I, I, I love, I love improv when it feels like a show and when I feel like I've been transported to somewhere different yeah. and gone to a different place that has been spontaneously created that's that's very much the type of improv that you know excites me most yeah definitely so I feel bad I have not seen beings yet I oh, must come don't and see worry. You. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it's, it's really I find it really interesting uh, working as a duo because you have a lot more um, responsibility but on the other hand you have a lot more control mm. and a lot more stage time if we're honest yeah yeah, and I think that does having like that stage time does instantly relax you probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah Anyone yeah. that does it, I, like, not that you're necessarily aware of that, but I think it probably does, doesn't it? Yeah. I think um, so. Yeah, you're right, and you do have a lot of yeah input, um, and you, you a lot of responsibility, like you say. But then the payoff is yes. you have all the fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So, do you rehearse regularly? Um, we we do rehearse, not as regularly as we would like. It's kind of fitted around because we both have other commitments. We yeah. sort of try and fit around that. Yeah. Um, but we'll probably have a little burst of rehearsal in preparation for, you know, gigs coming up. Because uh, I was doing Edinburgh, so we had to, like, take August out oh, of the right, equation. Yes. Um, yeah. And how do you warm up before a show? Because I always find it quite interesting if there's just two of you. <laughs> yeah. Well, we involve Dylan as well. Oh, of course. Um, yes, yes. But yeah, um, w yeah, we usually do just really silly stuff. Like um, Andrew has a game. We haven't played this for a while actually, but he has. He developed a game <laughs> developed in university comps um, where you do a, a noise like a lawnmower or something. And then the next person takes that noise, replicates it, and makes it turn into something else. Right, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, the next person, you know, oh, right, yeah, silly yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, um, or I'm a Whisk, which is the best game in the world. <laughs> yes, I've, uh, I read this <laughs> on the, uh, the Hoopla blog that uh, you wrote. And uh, tell me yeah. about, uh, is it I'm a Whisk? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's what I call it. Some people call it three in a circle. Oh, um, right. But, the, yeah, 
Um, I love it. So basically, one person goes into the middle, and the example given is, I'm a whisk. So they say, I'm a whisk, and they can mime that out. And the next person, person number two, hops in with something they associate with a whisk, like a bowl. And the third person comes in with, you know, I'm Mary Berry or whatever, and completes the picture. Ah, uh, yes. And then the last person stays. Ah, um, right, yes. So then it would be Mary Berry and... Gordon Ramsay and <laughs> the little chef or something. <laughs> but yeah, so it just keeps on. But I really like it because it's really fun and silly and there's no, like, I don't like games that are too heady. Right. Yes. You know, when you're like worrying about the rules while you're playing it, yeah, I think yeah, that yeah, can yeah. be a bit counterintuitive. Yeah. So I like the fact that it's just daft and also that you have to physicalize it. Yes. So instantly gets you doing that, which is nice. Yeah. It's a favourite with um, students, as in, oh, I don't know if it is for them, but for me it is. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it, it all depends on how you feel you should treat your students <laughs> or, or indeed the audience, but maybe yeah. we'll return to that. Yes, yeah, so um, you teach for Hoopla. Yeah. What's that like? It's so nice. Yeah, it's great. Um, I've, yeah, taught for them for a while now and it's so uh, playful and, I mean, I did you do Hoopla yourself? Yes, I started... Yeah. Um, I started with Hoopla and um, I did the beginner's course three times because I thought, I love improv, this is Aww. amazing. But I was absolutely terrified of performance. Oh, yeah. So I ended up doing the beginner's course three times, but you know, one was with Edgar, one was with Steve, one was with Maria. So it was all brilliant. Brilliant, yeah. I mean, what a great way to begin. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And I think I've known a few students actually that have done it more than once yeah. because. Maybe because they're nervous, but also I think for some people it's such a lovely outlet. Yes. Like at the end of their stressful working day or whatever. And I really like that about Hoopla, that it accommodates people who want to do performance professionally. Yeah. But also people who don't want that, who just want to, well not just, but who want to sort of meet people yeah. and, you know, um, get out of their head a bit. Which yeah. is, I think it's really lovely. Yes. Yeah. I love the way in which... And it doesn't matter who you've been taught by at Hoopla, it's all about being cherished and supported. And yeah. it's like, you know, you, you've, you've come here, you've made it through the door, you're doing amazing things that most people would be terrified to do and that should yeah. be celebrated and I really love that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, and it's amazing seeing sometimes people like really transform mm. throughout the eight weeks and make, you know, really good friendships with people yes. and become a lot more confident. And a lot of the time people say, always started the course for this reason like to gain confidence but now I'm just really hooked on improv yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. really nice as well that they found a sort of passion and yes. um yeah and I think it's I, I think it's really important to play like in life whatever your job is whether you do it professionally or not it's important yeah yeah, yeah. definitely definitely so what's the best thing about so you, you do um you do the beginners course as well yeah. as the character course yeah and also i've done the performance course sometimes ah. i do that as well cool yeah so just thinking about the beginners what's what's the i've got okay i'm going to ask you the tough questions what's the best thing and the worst thing about teaching beginners <laughs> um there's a lot of good things actually i think one of the best things is seeing people like delighted and surprised like seeing people surprise themselves yes it's really oh, I nice i love that yeah i love that especially when you see new groups and they may not be technically polished but they're just coming out with stuff or when it's a, a showcase in the performance course when they're just coming out with stuff and you think you did not plan that yeah and that was amazing yeah it's so nice and seeing like maybe someone that's quite shy or that english is not their first language or whatever seeing them sort of make really bold choices is amazing 
I love that. And I love, um, I love the fact that also it reminds you, reminds me of what the core principles are. Yes. Like, um, and it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it or how like technical you get. It's basically at the end of the day, it's just making stuff up and supporting people and, yes. and building something. So I think it's really nice when you're maybe, you know, if I've done a show elsewhere and it's been a bit tricky or I haven't felt like it was good enough or whatever, it's nice to return to those core principles yes. and think, well, you've just got to listen. Yes. <laughs> just listen to people, that's it. <laughs> but, yeah, so I'd say that's, those are all the great things. Um, and then the hardest, yeah, I don't know, the hardest thing... Well, I think maybe sometimes, like being really honest, I think at the st when I started teaching, I worried a lot about whether every single person was okay. Right. And whether every single person was enjoying it. Yes. <laughs> and that was a bit foolish <laughs> because you can't know if everyone in the class is having an amazing time and, that, and especially if people are shy or mm. reticent. Um, so I, I think at the beginning that was something I found hard because I would like berate myself if if it wasn't like woohoo you know yeah, yeah, every yeah. single session. Yeah. But that's like an audience, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you know, um, I'm I'm guilty of this uh, because sometimes I'll be watching an improv show and I'll be loving it and I'll be like, but I'm I'm really engaged with it. I'm but I'm really watching it and I'm going yes. That was really good. I saw what you did there. Well done. Oh, yes, I must also remember to laugh and to clap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, and you sit there, you're like, that was funny. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not actually going to laugh, but yes, that was very good. I was very impressed by that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely. I think there's such a, um, what's the word, like uh, such a comparison? No. Such a similarity yes. between a classroom teaching improv and doing a show. Yes. And I never used to think that. Like, when people used to say, oh, teaching and acting is the same, I used to be like, hmm. <laughs> it's really not, though. But actually, I can see the similarities between, like, teaching and stand-up. and yes. You know, because yes. when I do solo shows, there is a similarity of, like, making sure everyone in the room is engaged. Yes and being hyper aware if one person isn't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've, I found that, I found parallels because I teach um, web design and things like that uh. for adults. So I found that doing improv has really helped me with that. So it's helped me to hold the room and to not be afraid of silences and things like that. Yeah. And just sort of having that confidence and also the ability to plant yourself in one place and just to deliver. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, how much... So you, you're kind of, when you're teaching, you're very aware of the students. When you're performing, how aware are you of the audience? Um, when I'm improvising, I think I'm, I am aware of them, but not like in a paranoid way. Right, that sounds healthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think I'm aware of them as like a general, yeah, yeah general sort of, um, without sounding too much like a hippie but like a general energy if you yeah, know what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm very aware of the feedback yeah and I think I'm very aware of if they're liking something then doing that more you know that whole clowny yeah um approach yeah um yeah I'd say I'd, I'd, yeah I guess I have a split focus between the audience and the people I'm, I'm on stage with yeah. um because I do think it's important going back to what you're saying to sort of put on a show yes. but equally it's important to be there for your you know partner or um, 
group. Yes. Um, so I guess it's a kind of split focus. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yes, I'm very interested in sort of the interaction between the performer and the audience. And, you know, if people want to improvise and they never want to perform, that's fine and that's legitimate. And yeah. You know, no judgment for that. But when I finally did find the courage to perform, and then when you're interacting with the audience, it just kind of closed the circle to me. It kind of I thought, oh, right, okay, this all makes sense now. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense without performing to an audience, but then when you have an audience, it just, I don't know, something, totally. something clicked. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like that too. Like, the first time I did a Harold, I hadn't seen a Harold. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I remember, like, well, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, but see what happens sort of thing. And, yeah, it was exactly that. It was like... It made sense, and it was like the um, end. Like I remember, my friend came to see it who hasn't seen any improv, uh, who hadn't at the time, and she said it was like a magic trick. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, that's that's so true. Yeah. You know, and of course you need an audience, otherwise you're doing a magic trick on your own <laughs> in your room. Uh, but yeah, so I think that that was that performance doing a Harold for like the first, because that's the first time I'd really done improv properly in that way. Yeah. Um, was an amazing revelation yeah. in terms of the audience feedback and how much they help you. Yes. Like their laughter is help because it's telling you, like it's encouraging you. Mm. Or if they pull back, then you're like, okay, maybe that's the end. Maybe that's an edit. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So you have a drama school background. Yeah. And you discovered improv how? So um, I did actually do improvisation at drama school, but it was it was. Um, in the context of learning acting. Right. And some some actors I've spoken to have really hated that. Yeah, I actually loved it. <laughs> Mine was um, this Scottish playwright called Ian Heggie, who's quite a sort of like dark and shocking playwright. Well, not right. shocking, but like um, <laughs> edgy, edgy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and he taught us for one term, he taught us acting, and but he did it through giving us these scenarios so he would like tell us what our objectives were, what we wanted, what our characters wanted, right? And then we would improvise a scene. Ah. So it was kind of structured, structured improv, I yes. guess. Yes. Um, but because he was a very funny playwright, the scenarios were really great, um, and you couldn't really go wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I loved that so much. And we did actually do it live to an audience, and it was great. But he was just sort of doing it to workshop his stuff. Right, a, yeah, a yeah. bit, I think. Oh, really? Ex- maybe as an experiment, but also as a kind of like. So he'd be working on a play. Well, I don't know. know. I think maybe. I don't know. I think there might have been an element of that, <laughs> but like it was sort of reciprocal because we really enjoyed yeah. it. I mean, he might not have, but I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but whatever it was, it was great. Yeah. yeah. And actually, when we did. Um, we did a Monkey Toast show, like an Armando in Edinburgh years later, and I invited him to come and be a guest. And he was really great, like yeah. brilliant value. So that was, that was really nice. It was like a, well, that was like closing, closing a circle. circle. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, um, so that was when I first did it. And that term, some people hated it. They got so nervous. But for me, it was like the best 10 weeks that I'd ever had. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds a bit extreme, but it really was like, it was just like heavenly. I couldn't believe it. And then, but then I didn't realise the improv scene existed. So I, you know, graduated, did lots of theatre jobs. Um, and it wasn't until I met um, Rob Broderick. Oh, yes. And he 
rec- he was doing like a, um, an improv course for solo performers. Oh, right. And I was doing solo performance character comedy. And I did that. And then he recommended Monkey Toast. Ah, right. Um, yeah, because Monkey Toast had just arrived in London at yes. the time. So, um, yeah, and then I was like, wow, there's a whole world, which I think a lot of people feel. Yeah. Like, you don't know it's there. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, and I mean, if I hadn't worked with Emily Murphy, I don't know how, if I would have discovered it. Maybe I would have, because I worked with Emily and I knew she improvised. Um, and so she put me in touch with Hoopla. I don't know, would I have? gone on to Google some people Google it and find yeah. things that way but I don't know I I was so terrified before my first class that it took me you know a long time to get through the door I hid in really? the hid in the gents in the rat fa- uh, rag factory Whoa. not the rat factory the rag factory and the gents in the rag factory are not a place you want to hide <laughs> you have to be pretty scared to hide in there for any long period of time yeah tell me about it <laughs> yeah oh so uh, yeah so if, if Emily hadn't sort of pointed me in the right direction I don't know I don't know if I'd have had the courage to have looked something up and gone along to something I don't know yeah I probably could now but then I've done very many years yeah. of improv so I'm a little bit more confident about that sort of thing but yeah yes. yeah it's funny isn't it it's like I just didn't know it existed but yeah, yeah. and I also I think it's really grown hasn't yes. it as well yes in London and beyond so yeah. Yeah, so now maybe it would be easier to stumble across it, but yeah. at the time it was, yeah. It was a big yeah. secret. <laughs> um, we mentioned things that were magic and also of me watching things and going, hmm, that was very good. I enjoyed that very much. Well done. Uh, you're a member of Showstopper, the improvised musical. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> and talking of the Rag Factory, <laughs> that was where we first rehearsed. Oh, really? Yeah, well, where I first rehearsed, and yes, I too um, was terrified in a Rag Factory toilet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I really identify that. Um, <laughs> that makes me yeah. feel better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I've been with Showstopper for like six years now. Um, What's that like? Yeah. It's great. It's really. Um, it's the place where I kind of learn the most and yeah. it really pushes me. Yeah. Um, like it's it's quite tough in a way, um, but in a good way because the outcome is, is great yeah. in terms of like the shows are so enjoyable to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think it's a good sort of marrying of the, you know, the theatre work that I've done and the theatricality that it really embraces, you know, which I'm such a fan of. Yeah. Um, so for me, yeah, I... I really love performing in it. Yeah. It's it's great. And it feels very lucky, like, when we were at the Edinburgh Fringe and um, I was doing a solo show in a free venue, um, you know, quite a small venue, and then I was doing, not every night, but for the first sort of little chunk, I was doing some showstoppers in the Grand, the Pleasance Grand, which is really big. Yeah. And that was like, oh, yeah, I'm really lucky to be in this position, as opposed to like struggling to get you know fifty people in, I'm like uh, very lucky to be here. Yeah. So it's really nice. Yeah, like on a massive stage, and the musicians are so so great. Yes. Um, and it's really educated me in terms of music. Ah. So that's been. Yeah. We've always liked music, but I um, I think sort of comedy took over my life a bit, and so music was a bit left behind, and now it feels like it's been reintroduced right. in a big way because yes. they're so um, you know the team are so knowledgeable and yes. everyone shares their knowledge so yeah so for anyone that hasn't seen uh, Showstoppers uh, and anyway it doesn't matter um, <laughs> so one of the things um, 
you do is you'll take uh, suggestions of particular musicals. Yeah. Um, and then perform in the style of the musical throughout the, um, the show. What suggestion makes you go, yes? Oh, yeah, that's such a good question. Um, it used to be Hamilton. Oh, really? Yeah, because when Hamilton first came out, before it was in London, yeah. we all listened to it. And we were all like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Um, so I used to get really excited when that was called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and now I think I'd be over the moon if someone suggested Come From Away, which is yeah. a Canadian... Well, it's, it's set um, in Canada. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it's such a lovely musical. Yeah. It's just really fun and it's got a sort of folky influence. But nobody ever suggests Oh, no. Well, <laughs> but, listeners, <laughs> your mission should you choose to yeah. accept it. Yeah, totally. That would be nice. Yes, I've not heard of that one. I should have to check mm, that out. It's good. Um, I was recently on uh, recorded uh, uh, on Encore Radio. Oh, wow. uh, They do uh, a favourite five section where listeners can talk about their favourite five uh, oh, songs from musicals. Amazing. So I recently recorded one of those. So that's what did be... you suggest? What did I? Well, it was a little bit hard um, because I wanted to do uh, the story of Jesse and Lucy from Follies, mm. which they said they didn't have. Uh, they didn't have it and oh. I'm like oh <laughs> okay fair enough uh, so I did um, so I did reviewing the situation from Oliver great um, because um, I was once in a uh, when I was at school I was in a production of Oliver uh, for good from Wicked oh. first sort of West End show that I saw yeah um, and um, Cell Block Tango from Chicago. Oh, brilliant. Love that. Well, yes, I love it too. And also I went to the British Improv Project and Tom Hodge um, and Tom Young uh, ran a short-form game where we performed our own Cell Block Tango. Great, great. Absolutely amazing. Uh, <laughs> no One Is Alone from Into the Woods. Oh. Uh, and then You'll Be Found from Dear Evan Hansen. Oh, nice. Oh, very nice. Just yeah. makes me cry every time I listen to it. I don't even yeah. know what the story is. Uh, when it comes over, I'd love to see it. But just, yeah, something about that really connects. Yeah. So. I love No One Is Alone. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and what you were saying about, um, I've, I've found, because I've done various Showstoppers courses, and I found it the most challenging but the most rewarding courses that I've ever done. It's just, yeah. I think they're amazing. So. Oh, good. I'm glad you enjoyed yeah. the courses. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, um, it's great to like, you know, because it gets your brain, it really gets your brain working. Yes. As well as everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. It's one of those things where you watch it and go, okay, so I know some of the things you're doing because I've been to the courses. And even though I know what you're doing, it's still magic. It's still <laughs> how it all comes together. It's just amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you mentioned your solo show in Edinburgh. Tell me yeah. about that. Um, yeah, so that was called Susan Harrison is a bit weepy, right. and it was a character comedy, but it also had a thread running through it of me as myself. Um, and yeah, it was really, it was really uh, enjoyable and interesting. Talking about the audience relationship with the audience that we were talking about earlier, um, that was the thing I got out of it most this year was how fascinating the group psychology of an audience is yeah, yeah, which yeah. I mean, I've always been very intrigued by that but it, this show particularly highlighted it because um, there's a character who is silent uh, and I'm kind of asking the audience with my eyes to do something for me oh that um, sounds a very clown it is yeah, yeah. I suppose it is um, and uh, it was just endlessly interesting to me yeah. <laughs> uh, to see like 
yeah, just to see w- how much people understood, when they understood, and then when they would act having understood what the request was. Um, and they always did it. Yeah. Like, it took a while, but they always did it. And I'd, I'd made these signs, like, as a emergency, <laughs> in case in case they were needed of, like, please give me this, basically. Um, but I never had to use them. So you would stand on stage and not say anything? So, I, yeah, so I was playing an animal. Oh, um, right. And I, so I would, yeah, sit, sit on stage. Um, I might do it one more time, so I might not say oh, okay, exactly what yeah, it was. Because okay. um, I'd probably do it once more in London, you know, just, just in case. But, um, but it was just lovely to see strangers help this character oh, wow. um, and they didn't have to and I wasn't asking them with words yeah. so I found that really interesting so next year I'm going to try and do more of that yeah. and less less talking yeah because um, yeah. I think again like in terms of physicality and theatricality that's all it's all part of that really which all the stuff that interests me yeah yeah no I'm very interested in ironically for someone that does a podcast in an audio format uh performing with fewer words and you know the the fewer words that you say the more importance the words you do say have so uh, yeah totally and those um yeah like the gaps between the words and stuff when you're performing with someone else are really interesting aren't they yeah. yeah How how were the audiences when for your solo show? Were there anybody? Really good. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't have any drunk people coming in. And... <laughs> oh, I had like the odd. It was at two o'clock. All oh, right. So fairly safe. <laughs> However, I did have the odd like solo. Does it say solo drunkest? <laughs> uh, <laughs> a solo drunkest. Um, but yeah, I did have the odd person who were who clearly just it was because it was a free show. Right. Yeah. It was in a bar. They would just have been there anyway. Maybe having a drink on their own. Bless them. <laughs> so there was the odd person. Like I remember there was this couple once. The like this re- this American sort of older lady who was hammered but very glamorous. <laughs> And so, is that right then? It's very yeah, yeah, exactly. It's fine. So, She's very glamorous. It rules it out. Uh, it it kind of added to the strangeness of it. Um, but yeah, and like so, her interactions were really weird. Yeah. Like not bad. She wasn't like you're rubbish. Get off. But yeah, just yeah. like you know, inter- uh, like shouting things at strange moments or uh, like trying to help, but in a sort of drunk way. Right. Um, <laughs> because that's what every performer needs. It's yeah. help from a drunk person. <laughs> yeah. Because the show I wasn't quite working, but oh look, there's a drunk helpful person. Yeah. You fixed the show. Well done. Exactly. Thank God you're here, drunk person. <laughs> Can you come along to every show in my run? <laughs> yeah, so there was the odd one or two. Right. But on the whole, they were very sweet. Yeah. Like the first week, there were smaller numbers. Yeah. But as it went on, it was sort of, it built up a little bit of traction. And yeah, like the weekends were really busy, the weekdays less so, but they were really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they were cute people. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah, good. yeah, you, definitely. You deserve that audience. <laughs> um, do you have any sort of special tips for staying sane when you're in Edinburgh? Yeah, I do actually. And um, this was a, some tips from Bryony Redman, who is, you know, a brilliant um, improviser and performer. Um, she advised not to read reviews, not just your own, but other people's as well. Ah. Just to totally get that out of the equation, just to like cut yourself off from that. And I found that so helpful. Yeah. Because I didn't, this year, I wanted to genuinely experiment. I, I wasn't pushing things from a sort of industry point of view in the way that sometimes I might or other people might have done. Um, 
So it was really nice just to step back from it and just concentrate on the audience and on the show. Yeah. Um, so that really helped. Yeah. And also, oh, going to Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> that is a big thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, honestly, that, that has saved me the last couple of years. Yeah. I've got really great friends in Glasgow. So I went through and stayed with them and yeah, yeah, yeah. saw their families. And it just keeps you sane because you're like, the rest of the world doesn't, in the nicest possible way, doesn't care about the Edinburgh Fringe, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not important if you have a bad show or yes. a bad day. These people are living their lives. Yes. <laughs> and also Glasgow's lovely. Right, okay, yeah. cool. Well, that's, that's a good tip. That's yeah. excellent. Um, are you somebody that um, likes to learn about improv from books? And if so, is there a particular book that you'd recommend? Um, yeah, I, I'm generally a bit more sort of hands-on. Um, I'm not really into, like, learning a billion different formats. <laughs> I'd rather see, like, someone doing a very simple scene really well yeah. than a complicated format not very well. But however, <laughs> having said that, um, I do like the classics. I like um, Truth in Comedy yeah. and um, Impro. Oh, yes. And I like the fact that they are from two different approaches. Yes. But... There is overlap, and I do think that ultimately it is just making stuff up and playing, and you know, yeah, yeah, which is yeah. why I like the combination. I sometimes, when students ask, I recommend both of those books oh, right, for that yes. reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think you can get a bit caught up in like one school of thought. Definitely. Yes. Um, and you know, it's, it can distract you. I think. Yes, I often say this on the podcast, but there's the story of the wise men and the elephant and they're all mm. feeling a different part of the elephant <laughs> so they all think they're feeling i think they must be blind or blindfolded they're all feeling different parts of the elephant so they all think it's a different thing so one person thinks oh is this is a wall or something like that another person feels the trunk they go oh this is a snake uh, but actually it's all the elephant and the uh, all the different ways of approaching improv are just the different blindfolded people yeah yeah, it's true. <laughs> it, that is true, though. Yeah. Some people prefer the trunk. Others prefer a large foot. It's all part of the same thing. Yeah, it's all part of the same elephant. Yeah. Um, and also people not involved think it's all the same and they don't yeah. care. It's only when you're involved in... Yeah, they couldn't care less. Yeah. yeah. You just want to see a massive animal. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the best or the worst note you've ever been given... Or what's the most common note you give to students? Um, that is a great question. I think a, a really useful note I got was from Adam Megiddo, which was um, <laughs> move around less. Well, plant no, plant your feet basically. <laughs> right. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. Getting back to the floating yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is obviously my natural disposition. <laughs> um, so his his he had a big note for me once, which was yeah, plant get be grounded more yeah plant your feet more and um that sounds like such a small thing but it actually fed into a lot of other stuff and um sometimes when you change something physically it can help you know your state of mind as well yeah so and actually on a similar note to that um we talk about in showstoppers being front foot um so you know uh in Monkey Toast, that was David Shaw used to describe that as being aggressive. Um, it's the you know again, it's like different parts of the elephant. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and also 
in Showstoppers, we kind of notice how you drift backwards when you're losing faith in your idea. Ah. <laughs> so if you physically move yourself forward yes. on stage, stand your ground or move yourself forward, yes. that can actually impact on your, um, you know, what's yeah. in your head as well. Wow. So that's been a really useful one to remember. Yeah. And I see students doing it as well, they like yeah. gradually drift to the back of the room. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's whenever I see a, a show of you know, relatively inexperienced performers, I'm like, just come to the front of the stage. Yeah. Because at the Miller, it's not even that far. Yeah. But if you're hugging that back wall, and this is a very good scenic reason for hugging the back wall, just come forward because we want yeah. to see you and yeah I hadn't connected it with that confidence in your mm. ideas thing but that strikes me as very mm. powerful so yeah yeah definitely and I think for students at the like I go through phases of different things that are relevant or like at the top of my priority list but I think at the moment telling them to look at each other is like to connect with each other is, yeah. is a good note yeah a good recurring note at the moment oh that's a really interesting one for I, more experienced yeah. improvisers because I think if they are quite experienced, they can sometimes get a bit bound up in the and worrying about the format. Right. Yes. So then it's great to remind them actually just like connect with each other. Yes. <laughs> yes, I really like that, and I really like trying looking at the other person and trying to is it trying to guess what they would like or oh, that nice. sort of thing, or you know, yeah. trying to, even if you don't know them, just look at them and go, oh, what. What, where would they like to go? What would they like yeah. to do? Uh, going with that sort of positive attitude I find quite helpful. Yeah. Um, cool. So, if, if you may have answered this already, but if, if someone were to step on stage with you, what could they do to delight you? Ooh. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Um, to delight me, wow. Um... I think endowments are so lovely, aren't they? Hmm. Um, and anything would, you know, whether that's a name, a, a name of a character, or whether it's telling me, yeah, I guess character stuff would be particularly delightful for me. Yeah. So anything, which I know sometimes people can sort of misconstrue that as pimping. Yeah. But but I think if it's done with the intention of of giving someone a gift yes. um, then endowing any sort of character endowment I would find delightful I think it's interesting that um, where does pimping end and giving a gift begin because I think yeah. it's a continuum yeah and it's kind of based on your relationship with the other person so mm. if I didn't know the person very well I would always err on the side of giving them something I think they will enjoy but then sometimes when you're pimping them you know that they're going to enjoy it even if it seems like they're not enjoying it yeah I don't know. yeah I, that's a really interesting point I think you're right it is about your relationship isn't it yeah. and also it's about where it comes from in you like what yeah. your intention is I guess yeah. like if if someone is going on stage with a stranger and they're like Oh, I'm looking forward to you reading that postcard in rhyming couplets in authentic Chaucerian then you might be like but if it's a friend, yeah. like if a friend did that to me, I'd be like, brilliant, that's delightful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's like, yeah, it's that, relate. like you said, it's the relationship yeah. and also what your intention is. Because also you don't want to go on the other end of the spectrum and be too sort of um, gentle in inverted commas yes. with the other person because yes. you want to like make some bold choices as well, don't you? So it's yeah. a tricky one to gauge. Yes, because you think you're being helpful and I went through a phase of that because I'm quite a nice person being 
too nice on stage but um, mm. but that's how you end up sort of being a bit sort of bland and not really giving anything I know what you mean um, yeah I mean that's not to discourage people from being nice but <laughs> equally you know you can be nice but in a kind of a more sort of front-footed yeah aggressive kind of way totally and the improviser can be nice and lovely but playing a character that's yes. despicable or you know yes which can be really fun yes that's uh, that's been something I've uh, explored recently and yes I've uh, mm. seen sides of myself that I didn't realise existed <laughs> but uh, through the medium of improv it became acceptable uh, acceptable uh, do you often play baddies sometimes yeah just like a mixture really depends what's needed yeah. I suppose it depends what like the story needs yeah. or yeah it's funny and sometimes in showstopper you end up playing you're like oh I've oh I keep playing a nice character just by chance yeah and then suddenly you you break that pattern. You're like, oh, good, I'm playing horrible characters. <laughs> so it just you just sometimes just through coincidence, there's a run of that. Yeah. And then, um, but yeah, I like playing. I quite like playing idiots, like nasty idiots. <laughs> nasty idiots. <laughs> quite fun. Yeah. Cool. And uh, big final question: What would you say your signature move is? What can Ooh. what uh, what can the rest of the people you're improvising with go? <laughs> Harrison's done it again, <laughs> saved the day, done a signature move, that's caught down really the house. That's really funny. Oh, that's so funny. I don't I have no idea. I'd love to know. Like, I'd love to ask them. There's probably some, yeah, some sort of weird go-to. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, actually. That's a really good question. So there's a, it's a little bit, a little bit, so it's helpful for listeners because if other people have got signature moves, then they can borrow those because I, I like to think that people will take oh, oh yeah. yeah now I know what Susan Harrison's signature movie is oh I could maybe use that when I'm oh, on stage oh yeah okay well um something well I don't do this in Showstopper because it's not useful but in other types like an Armando or whatever or um joining another person's character as in playing the same of them same as them uh, um yes. is something I really enjoy and it it's so easy to do and so enjoyable I think so if any if someone were to make a strong character choice, I mean like with Andrew, and I did exactly the same as him, and we were two characters of exactly the same type, uh, that right. would be fun and yes. hard to go wrong with those scenes. If you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess that would be something. Yeah. Yeah. That's another. I think that's a yeah mirroring. You know, doing yeah. pieces of the pod thing is always it. It's a weirdly stronger choice than it feels. Yeah. But you. You make both of you look stronger by doing the same thing that the other person Definitely. is doing. Definitely, yeah. Definitely, and it can be quite. It can become quite absurd and fun. Oh, actually, another thing would be um, <laughs> uh, like if the scene is treading water, and again, this is more for like you know, I don't know, an Armando Commando, whatever. Um, emotion, going to the emotion of the relationship. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. if it's like some, if we're playing a game. You know, if it's quite a gamey team, um, <laughs> uh, and and it's Delicious. a bit <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Mm, chewy. <laughs> if it's a chewy team, yeah. um, and if you're it's in a like, chewy scene, yeah, 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 if you're in a chewy scene and it's going nowhere, and everyone's a bit like, oh god, somebody sweep. Um, going to to a really big emotional place can be lovely to shake it up. You know, if it, if it's too like people doing something really conceptual and then suddenly saying you know I'm in love with you or like this is the first time you've ever acknowledged me or a massive emotional offer yeah. would be something I might do yeah, and yeah, that yeah. is quite helpful sometimes 
brilliant. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> thank you for being a guest on the Improv London oh, podcast. Thank you so much. It was really fun. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. I made this. That's improv. <laughs> That's improv.